everybody, and welcome back to the Off the Key Podcast. I'm your host, Mac, and I'm joined today by my two wonderful co-hosts, Garrett. Yeah. And James. What up? And today we're actually going to be talking about a brand spanking new project from Pusha T. It's almost dry. One thing I do want to mention is this is actually kind of uh, James's first foray into like modern rap music. Yes. Yeah, I'm quite unfamiliar with rap music in general. Yeah. <laughs> I, mentioned, I mentioned on the last podcast that I'm catching him up to speed, yeah. but there's a lot going on, so it's going to take a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out of my element here, but I will do my best. <laughs> and that's okay. I think it's important that we get a outsider's perspective on the matter as well for the people who are also unfamiliar with rap music as a genre. Oh yeah, agreed. And and that goes for all other genres as well. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Marty Robbins as well later and man, I'm going to be completely out of my fucking element on that. <laughs> yeah, this, quite a quite a combination here. You, yeah. you got you got western ballads and then gangster rap. It's perfect. Uh one thing I do want to mention and that is because I actually got some questions about it from some listeners are album picking process. Rando. It's not totally random, so we do it in a rotation. James Garrett and I, we all have some similar music tastes, but not entirely. Uh, We all kind of go in different directions, but what we do is we each pick an album in rotation every week. Yeah, and what the album is is basically up to us. It's kind of what we're feeling and what we, for me at least, it's something that's I've been listening to a lot recently and enjoying a lot more, and that will be reflected in my selection for next week. James will actually be talking about Rush's A Farewell to Kings. Yeah, stay so tuned look forward for that. to that, Rush yeah. fans. And early on, we were originally going to just do like classic albums, uh, stuff we were just listening to, but we decided that we wanted to do two different reviews every week. One for something that we've picked, that we enjoy, that may be older or out of the mainstream consciousness, I guess, if that makes sense. We're also going to be picking new albums, stuff that's coming out right now that you can listen to today it'll be a lot of fun we didn't especially be, for me <laughs> yeah we didn't want to be pigeonholed as a you know oh they're listening to dark side and um master of you know and that's yeah. like it yeah like we because we all pay attention to new music uh james you know we're catching him up but nah, nah. He, he's he's me not so much but i'm he, getting there he's getting there and he's got an open mindset which is good i don't want it to just be you know kind of like the boomer cast where we just talk about all oh, albums from the 70s and 80s and 90s and you yeah, know fucking course. rock music is dead and hip-hop is d- destroying everything you know like <laughs> which is not true at all Funnily but, enough, yeah. because the best releases in fact the only good releases that so far this year have been hip-hop and it's, rap releases it's, it's been mostly rap albums i mean i the rock I, albums i've been looking forward to are have been mid at best to like in like the case of unlimited love, very kind of like meh, average to like oof, oh bad. In the case of like King Gizzard, yeah, yeah. we we are in the era of hip hop and R and B in general, and it, it's going to take a long time to change that. And a lot of the rock today is trying to incorporate a lot of elements from those genres. I've noticed, but that doesn't mean there isn't cool stuff going on in rock. Like I want to take good examples, like you know, Squid or Black Country New Road, Black Midi, and even like the stuff that like Ned Cave is doing with the Bad Seeds. There, there is good rock music, and there's interesting rock music out, but it's no longer the main focus of the mainstream. Yeah, to your point about a lot of the bands you mentioned, there a lot of them are very much experimental in their sounds. Yeah, yeah. Rock is kind of in this weird experimental phase because, you know, it's already had its peak. 
And we've already gone through like the punk phase and the the post grunge and post punk phases. And now we're in this wild, wild west again of musical rock styles, if that makes sense. Rock is basically trying to find its new sound. Exactly. I'm okay with it. I kind of want rock to take time to find a sound that works and is good. It needs to be psych rock. There's be Australian psych rock. There, there is. <laughs> they, they found it. They just need to bring it on, bring it on over. Yeah, Australia is kind of on like a psych wave right now. God, and it's so great. Oh, it's so great. They just need to get better singers. Oh, yeah, Come on, shape. Australia. Yeah. Step it up. We guys can rip, and you don't need like little 12-year-olds singing your psych songs. Let's, <laughs> what's wrong with a guy with a big, beefy boy, voice singing? Like, can we get psych tracks like without falsetto there are, the whole time? There That'd are plenty of men in Australia with big, beefy voices. Yeah. Come on now. Bring them on in. I <laughs> watch the uh, VB Long Neck at 8 o'clock in the morning <laughs> video more times than I would like to admit. I fucking love that video, dude. <laughs> A baby long day at eight in the fucking morning. Baby <laughs> long day. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of explain because I don't think we've done a very good job of that. Um, another thing I did want to address is we actually did have some practice recordings that we didn't use that were referenced in our previous episodes. I do want to do Redux versions of those episodes, but honestly, like we, we're such amateurs that. The audio and the mixing is awful. Like, it's unlistenable. Yeah. And that's partially my fault, but it's a learning experience. So it's It's been a process for sure. Yeah, it's definitely been a long and arduous process, but I have loved every single minute of it. Hell I, yeah, man. I just want to bring you guys the best podcast that I possibly can and turn you on to some good music. And just turn you on. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're all about. You're already turning me on right now, Greg. <laughs> nice. And with that, mm. do we want to get into It's Almost Dry? Uh, yes. Yeah. So Terrence Thornton, a.k.a. Pusha T, is a... Pusha virgin. Terrence? <laughs> if, you're, if you're more on a regular yeah. basis with him. Um, he, was actually, yeah, he was actually known originally as Terrar. It was a play on I'm his changed it. first and <laughs> yeah. uh, middle name. Yeah, I'm glad he but changed Pusha it. Pusha T is definitely better. He's from Virginia Beach, and he's actually the executive of Kanye West's Good Music label. At this point, he was appointed in 2015. Pusha T actually came to prominence in the 90s and mid 2000s with rap duo Clips. The other half being his brother Malice, who actually is no longer goes by Malice. He goes by no Malice because of his conversion to Christianity. Where did he convert from? Well, I mean, he just became a Christian and felt that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I mean, you're you're not perfect. You're not wrong. He, he said, I gotta be no mouse. I gotta get that hate out my heart. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, though. Eclipse, legendary hip hop duo. Um, Hell, Hath, No Fury is a bona fide classic. You should check it out. It came out in an era where a lot of people shit on rap music, which was the 2000s. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> yeah. which, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It's understandable, but there was a lot of good stuff that came out in the 2000s. I mean, MF Doom's projects, Kanye stuff, like his early stuff. Yeah. I mean, you basically had to kind of go to the. I don't want to say underground, but a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. There was, I mean, you know, I like I messed with 50 Cent and like, you I'm, know, I, yeah. the stuff Jay-Z was doing with Rockefeller and, uh, I mean, I wouldn't consider Kanye to be underground. So. No, not at all. <laughs> bad? Well, Even at that time. Well, what bad was going on during that time? The ringtone era, you know, soldier boy. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh a yeah. lot of like okay, never mind. crunk. Remember crunk? 
I don't want to remember Krunk. Lil John, thank you. Okay, all right. <laughs> Lil John, I'm not a fan, but I understand his importance to hip hop at the time. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> pretty much my thoughts exactly when I realized that he was like an important figure. I'm like, there's no way. Yeah, he was, he was pretty influential to like Southern hip hop, and he kind of was on that Krunk wave. Which let's let's try and forget about Krunk. Although he did get some prime T Pain. Yeah, yeah. T Pain. I mean, even like Lil Wayne stuff, like Carter Three, that was a good album. And like some of his mixtapes. Although Lil Wayne is not always been the most consistent. And it's funny that I bring up Lil Wayne because he's actually been beefing with Pusha T for years at this point. Like they're constantly taking pot shots at each other on different tracks and like diss tracks and stuff like that. Even on this album, he makes some allusions to Pusha T, or not to Pusha T, to uh, Lil Wayne. Well, I know I'm not very much an expert here, but I would say Pusha T is a better musician. I agree. <laughs> I do think he's a better rapper, but I do think Lil Wayne gets a lot of shit. He's got some good stuff. I think he's a good rapper. He had a legendary run there at the beginning. Yeah, like, you know, like mid-2000s. I haven't really liked a Lil Wayne project since then. What kills me my Lil Wayne is on features... He blows it out the water. What was that feature he did on um, uh, Tyler's last project? No, Flower Boy. Wasn't it yeah. Dropping Seeds? That was a great feature uh, on, on the Conway album that just came out. That was also a killer feature. Like, where is this Lil Wayne yeah. on his own stuff? Sometimes it happens like that. <laughs> kind of like a Lil Uzi Vert on his feature on this one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's, let's not give him too much credit here. <laughs> That's true. Just because it's passable doesn't mean that he's suddenly in like some like upper echelon. Yeah, some new some new lane. I like this feature on a Juggernaut from uh, Call Me If You Get Lost. Yeah, and this was pretty decent, but it wasn't like a mind boggling feature or anything like that. It's like, oh no, Lil Uzi, he's leveled up, bro, bro, he's leveled up. I can't believe it, bro. Like, and what's no. the, he's reached eternal Atake. <laughs> like no, but yeah, um, how Pusha T? At least how I came to discover him actually on Kanye's 2011 project, uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. He had a excellent feature on the track Runaway. And that was my first exposure to Push T. Garrett, I know you were aware of Kanye it's, at the time, but. It's mercy. I mean, I can't even lie. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> yeah. That was the first time I ever heard Push T. Good music has actually had a pretty big influence on a lot of modern rap in general, I mean, the label has included the likes of Common, like B. That album came out on good music. Mm. Uh, Kid Cudi, Designer, John Legend even. John Legend has been with good music for like 10 years or some shit like that. Uh, Big Sean, uh, Tiana Taylor, 07 Shake, uh, Sheck Wes, and, and Pusha Young T Young Sheck Wes. Sheck Wes has had like one song. He has like one hit. What was it? Mo Bamba? do 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 and that was a white people anthem for a while. They got oh, crazy. Oh, dude, I know. I was at this party one time with a couple of buddies of mine, you know, Greg and, mm-hmm. and them. Uh, they were blasting Mo Bamba as we were pulling in. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I know people are just, you know, looking to have fun. But if you ask me about something and I don't like it, I'm going to tell you. I'm just being honest. I mean, that's the way to be. I mean, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, this this sucks. Like, I, I remember we had a conversation with our friends one time about Blink-182, their new stuff. Mm. And they asked my opinion, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, They're probably going to listen to this. <laughs> they, they, they probably are, and, and I, I, I love you guys. But 
I did not like Blink's new stuff at all. Period. It's the old stuff for me, man. When they were closer to punk, pre, basically, pre, yeah, <laughs> basically pre-self-titled. Now, one thing I do want to note about good music: their in-house production group, very good beats. It's got some heavy hitters in terms of production, like Kanye West, Eighty Eight Keys, No ID, Q-Tip, uh, Mike Dean, Travis Scott. A lot of these guys are are big hip hop producers, and they all work for good music. Over the years, you have hyped up Kanye as a producer to me. I think Kanye is an excellent I, producer, but I will. I was I was not impressed so far. This was not the best showing for Kanye. I'll keep I'll keep an open mind. I'll I'll listen to his, some of his own stuff and some other things, but this one I'm I was not impressed. I do think Kanye has some good moments here, but a lot of my problems with this album lie with Kanye's production and his inclusions, like on the actual rap tracks. Meanwhile, I think this is another like, very impressive showing by Pharrell. Absolutely. But I, it always dis- disappoints me that all of Pharrell's like main projects, it's like he just gets in his own way. He's too Pharrell to just really succeed as a main guy. But when he's in the background, oh, it is always fire. Dude, he's been producing since the 90s. Yeah. Uh, he actually has worked closely with Clips for years uh, when he was part of the production duo Neptunes. Him and Pharrell go way back. And you're kind of right. I think Pharrell, like with his solo stuff, he just tries to write like pop hits. I, I wish we could get more from him as nerd. I'm not a fan of nerd, actually. You really? No. They have some. Yeah, they're okay. It's it's a mixed bag. Yeah. I liked every single beat he made on this yeah. album. He can sling bars though. No, he Pharrell, can't. Pharrell can. He Pharrell can rap, and it's like it's a very untouched, a very like untapped market for him. It's like man, it's like just go off. Been writing corny hits and just go off. Yeah, like I'm happy. Yeah, I remember when that was when that blew up. That album was just not good. It was not good, and I remember being visibly annoyed when I was dragged to the uh, the original like Despicable Me movie, and that was the opening track. Oh man! (laughs) The thing is, he has some like great verses, like his verse on on that Missy Elliott track, and then um, that track he did with Major Lazer. Yeah, it was a little corny, a little too long, but. Had some good stuff. And I'm even, like, where is where is this coming? Like, even on that Juggernaut track we were talking about earlier, yeah. that uh, Lil Uzi was on, like, Pharrell was the best part of that mm. song. Like, and Lemon wasn't a bad song either. That was a good showing. Yeah, Pharrell is like a hidden boss in the rap game. Yeah, he doesn't always show up. He doesn't let you know it, but when he does, watch out. You know he's there. You know he's there. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that does bring us to one thing I want to point out, uh, you know, us talking about Kanye and Pharrell, they draw a lot of attention to this, but they were the main executive producers on the album and mm-hmm. they produced half the tracks each. They even go so far as to do a different arrangement, uh, aligning the Pharrell and Kanye tracks produced yeah. like side by side. Yeah, it's on Spotify. It's, uh, it's almost draw, uh, Pharrell versus EA. Pharrell won. Yeah, oh for, yeah, Pharrell, Pharrell definitely won. <laughs> Both of my favorite tracks on this album oh, yeah, are, Kanye. are Kanye tracks, actually. <laughs> Ironically. The highs are higher, but the lows are lower with the Kanye side of the project. Mm-hmm. So I don't ever watch Jimmy Fallon for any reason. But Understandable. I wanted to. I listened to the uh, interview he did with Pusha T, and Pusha T was talking about the different production styles of Kanye and Pharrell. Apparently Kanye is such a big fan of Pusha T's raps that... Pusha T will just send him like rap tracks and Kanye will just do whatever he feels like with it. Pharrell, on the other hand, is very precise. He's very like, like everything has to be just right. And he wants to make certain parts stick out. And it's reflected in the production. Like Bramleton, 
the the melody in that song. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I that's one of the best parts of it. One more thing I did want to mention before we get into the track listing is rap beef has been a part of rap since its inception. It it makes sense. It makes sense why it exists because you know you got a lot of strong personalities all competing to be number one and be the top, you know, with all these braggadocio lyrics and trying to be the best in the game and make millions of dollars and stuff like that. So it, it makes sense that yeah. rap beef exists. Plus many of them come from pretty hard backgrounds, you know, and, yeah. it, and it only makes sense, but you, you can't, you can't deny that it is absolutely a marketing ploy. Like it's, it's tabloid stuff yeah. sometimes, but it, it can escalate too far. Yeah. And the, like, it's not always the case, but it's definitely one of the big things for sure. Yeah. I definitely believe some of these people legitimately have beef, but I mean, it, it, it can escalate too far. I mean, like, I mean, when you talk about the case of like Biggie and Tupac in the nineties, yeah, the most infamous cases, one of the most infamous rap beefs of all time between the West coast and East coast. I mean, they died as a result of it. Like it mm-hmm. escalated so high and it became so intense that people started taking serious action yeah, and it's and a little more complicated and nuanced than that. But I do think that does have a, a role to play. Oh yeah, for sure. It's really fucked up. Honestly, just, People fucking dying because of music. Rat beefs. Drake and Pusha T. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Drake. Um, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because this is what I argue brought Pusha T back into the mainstream eye. Pusha T has been beefing with Lil Wayne, like we mentioned, for a long time. And he's been pay- taking pot shots at him. And kind of in that process, uh, Lil Wayne has kind of been a mentor to Drake. Over the years, Drake got kind of caught in the crossfire of that beef and Pusha started, you know, making disses at Drake over numerous tracks going back as far as 2011. And at the height of that beef, Drake had finally released Duppy Freestyle, which I thought was kind of mid. It was, it was, it wasn't bad. I do think he brought up some good points. You know, authenticity has always kind of been like a overarching crux of rap music, which I think is funny just because that's. Are you really going to get a whole lot of that? Like, the personas are so thick, it takes a while to know who that person is. I agree, but I think in the earlier days of hip-hop, it was more about, like, street cred. Oh, yeah, definitely in the early days, but, like, now, I feel like it's very hard to define who's authentic and who isn't. I, I agree. I actually do agree a lot. Because, you know, like, you'll see guys like uh, like Polo G and, like, 6 9 yeah, and mm-hmm. you know they 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 talk about how much you know gang shit and gang activity they do, but um, in reality, it's just it's just posturing for for marketing because yeah. you know like the the thug stuff is what sells, like the gang mm-hmm. rap is is what yeah. sells. That's what makes money. Well, well, people have a craving for authenticity. Yeah, like in every walk of life. You know? Yeah, I, I do think it has evolved. Like today, I'd say it's more about just being authentically true to yourself. Yeah, more yes. than anything, and I think a good example of that is is guys like Chance the Rapper. You know, even like even, honestly, even like Drake and Kanye West and Tyler the Creator, Kid Cudi. You know, they're not really talking about a lot of like violence and crime and gang shit, but they're being themselves and they're yeah. being honest. Yeah, at least for the most part, I I believe that every rapper exaggerates to some extent. Everyone to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah, and that's just part of the game. You know, yeah. like that's just part of. Especially if Music. you're in, if you're in the limelight, if you're in the public eye, you know you're you're going to exaggerate a bit. You're going to have to keep up some kind of image, because you know 
you're trying to make money. You're trying to be popular. Yeah. You're, you're a public figure. You know, yeah. that's, that's just that's just the game you play when you're in the music business. I do think it gets taken too far. Oh yeah, and it, I just hate when like they're all about it, and you look at them, and you're just like, there is no way. Yeah, like you look at someone like. 21 Savage, and you're just like, bro, I've probably seen more gang-related activity at an Arby's than you, what you've ever experienced in your life. So like, go sit down. Like, go I, don't sit know. down. I don't know about that. I mean, like, I I do think 21, I, I agree. Like, uh, Jay-Z. Like baby. Like, good Lord. Jay-Z actually said something really funny. Uh, I can't remember exactly where he said it, but uh, it was like, gangsters and rapper or rappers have shot more guns collectively and more bullets collectively than the entire U.S. Army and have seen less action. <laughs> just, dude, that, that killed me. <laughs> and, uh, and that's not to say that like, like there isn't a place in rap for that kind of music. Like I, I admit it. I enjoy me some fucking gangster rap. It can be fun. It can be cool. You know, it can be like, Oh, you know, like crime. Like, Oh, it's probably my favorite so far. <laughs> yeah. And, and there is, there is the an most. appeal to like the gritty reality of, growing up in bad neighborhoods and in impoverished areas mm. and fighting your way yeah. out. And, and, and yeah, Pusha T actually said something about this and he did his, his Q and a that I actually, I, I wasn't a part of it, but I like read it like when it came out oh, for his new album, I would not read it at Twitter. He said, he's like, what do you think about people that, you know, listen to all this gangster rap or, you know, that may gangster rap. And he's like, and they're not about it. He's like, what do you say to all your, you know, all the young white kids that are listening to your music? He's like, you know what? It's just like if you make a gangster movie, you know, the makers of Scarface and the people that like really watch Scarface, like they don't have to be about that movie to enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you don't have to be about it to and I appreciate them just as much as, you know, the people that have actually lived the stuff that I sing about too. Yeah, I was like, and respect. Respect. Yeah, yeah, respect. Definitely sure. respect. And a very like great, like nuanced point on the subject. I think it's important to also remember that these may be the lived experiences of these people and these rappers. And there's no reason we should take away from that. There's a reason that hip hop talks about the subject matter. And it's because there is truth to it. Yes. There is yeah. truth to the reality yes. of what's going on in impoverished neighborhoods and, and with minorities and stuff like that. And, and, and you know, a lot, a lot of rap is really used to bring awareness to that. Exactly. A lot of artists use that. I know I've heard Tupac, was especially, he used his music to bring awareness to what was going on. That man was a poet and an activist, but also a thug. <laughs> Mad respect. Hey, you got to be balanced in life, right? Yeah. That was really one of the main appeals of a guy like Tupac is he had layers. He had depth. But was still balanced. I do want to bring up like Pusha T as a rapper. You know, he is a, he's a gangster rapper. He raps about cocaine and stuff like that. And... That is kind of a, a subgenre of gangster rap. No, he did actually deal coke. No, he did. Yeah. He did. And he's talked about that. Kind of going back to Brambledon, he does bring up uh, his manager, Jeezy, claiming in an interview with Vlad TV that 95% of that was actually about Jeezy's life, what they rapped about with clips. And uh, yeah. on Brambleton, he kind of addresses the, how he feels betrayed by uh, Jeezy on that track. I guess what I'm trying to say here is like how the authenticity of Pusha T being put into question doesn't make sense because Pusha T lived through those experiences. Yeah. He grew up in that awful cocaine epidemic that was happening in the U.S. in the 80s. Then again, it's just like kind of going back to like the next like country albums and they're singing about like, you know, outlaws and cowboys. They never say 
he went out and killed this guy and he went out and died the next day. It's always I. Why should this be any different? Exactly. Exactly. And that's, don't even get me started, dude. (laughs) Don't even get me started. You know, we, we grew up in the South. Dirty South. The dirty, you know, the dirty South. The Bible Belt. The Bible Belt. And I heard this all the time when I was growing up, you know, oh, don't listen to rap music. That's black people music. That's trashy, you know, thuggy, uh, uh, brain rotting garbage. It's just about crime and killing and thugs and stuff like that. And then they'll go and play like some fucking, you know, what what was that song? Uh, Kickstart My Heart by uh, <laughs> Motley Crue. Yeah, like by like Motley Crue fucking and like dying of a heroin overdose. And yeah. Then, <laughs> and then know, bring like, bought, brought back to life. The exact same subject matter yeah. are being discussed on every other genre of music, pop music, rock music. The the reality of it is you just don't like it because it's a, it's black music. You Pretty racist. Much. That or they're too dumb to see through its yeah. veneer. It's veneer and it's important. Yeah. Like Kickstarter yeah. Heart, they're like, oh yeah, it's just, you know, about like, you know, living life, partying. Like, but they ju- and they're just like too dumb to look into it and see what it's like really about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> or they're too close minded to even consider it in the first place. Yeah. Just write it off as, you know, oh, that's dumb black people music, you know, fuck, fuck them. They don't even give it a chance. Yeah. It's, ugh. don't be like that. And honestly, you don't even, you don't have to like rap music. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is, do not write it off as an art form, as a genre. Don't just immediately dismiss it without even giving it a chance. Yeah, exactly. The only genre you should really write off is pop punk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, there's some good pop there's punk. There's some good, there's some good pop punk. I, do, nah, like, man, I do like ripping on pop punk, though. It's fun. Pop country, though. We can... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's another one that's like... <laughs> we'll, we'll put that one in the dimly lit closet and lock the door. Yeah. <laughs> Throw away the key. Like, no genre is ever going to have, like, 100% bad music, but it doesn't mean it still can't have, like, 80 or 90% bad music. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. post <laughs> No, we're... We're not we're not about dismissing any genre here. Uh, no, not at all. But. I mean, I've always tried to make it a point to stay open-minded, which can mm. be very hard sometimes. Oh, yeah. I will admit, oh. you know, like, sometimes it, I'll hear some shit, and I'm like, I can't. Yeah, we're, we're not saying it's easy. It's just, it's it's a process. You gotta make, as long as you at least make the effort. Exactly, exactly. As long as you make the effort, and you try to expand your horizons creatively and, and artistically in, in terms of, like, consuming that, like, I think that's okay. And it's not for everyone. It isn't. But don't write it off. With that being said, we should probably get into the review. <laughs> yes. I thought we already were. <laughs> yeah, we are a little bit. You know, Brambleton, I guess we'll reiterate, it's betrayal. And I'll talk about the clips manager, GZ. And uh, I do want to bring attention to the instrumental. The reason I want to bring attention to it is Pharrell's production style. What I've noticed with a lot of his beats is he's always been taking careful attention to making sure that the beat does not take away from the rap performance, but mm-hmm. adds to it. Like really adds to it. And I know that's, you know, kind of the producer's job, but I think Pharrell does a really good job of making these like earwormy, you know, melodies and and drum beats that make the track infectious. And that's exactly the sign of good production. One hundred percent. No, I, I agree. I mean there's there's more to it, but that's that's a pretty good assessment, I'd say. Yeah. How'd you feel about the track, Garrett? Pharrell and Kanye take two different approaches. Pharrell is more apt to creating his own his own melody and hooks from scratch, whereas Ye wants to take a lot of stuff that already exists. And Ye is kind of in like, well, almost for his whole career where he's getting he's taking those old like funk and R and B samples and all that and just kind of using them. Where I think Pharrell is 
takes a little bit more inspiration from everything. I feel like Pharrell's more of a composer. Yeah. Oh than yeah. Kanye. Yeah. Is. Kanye is kind of like cut, like copy. Con- Kanye kind of he- takes that old school style. Yeah. yeah. He's more of a technician, I would say. He's definitely more of a technician in that he, like you were saying, Garrett, he takes older samples and stuff, but then he uses them in a way that. Kind of a rhythmic way sometimes. I've yeah, he'll, he'll loop them. He'll loop yeah. them. He'll add like modulation and kind of turn them into like the beat. I mean, that's classic hip hop production. That's basically what guys in the 80s and 90s were doing almost to a T. And, and Kanye, he came up around that time. He was inspired by guys like Jay Dilla and other beat producers of the time who would just take samples from other vinyls to make these crazy beats. I mean, you got to at least give guys back then the credit because they had access to very little equipment and they were making these phenomenally good and catchy beats from it. Oh yeah. And that's one of my favorite things in rap so far is the, the beats and a lot of the production. It's a lot of fun to listen to. The ability to flip samples in a way you would never imagine. There's, they take a lot of inspiration from older stuff, especially a lot of funk and soul R and B, you know, We've talked about this before, but even some of the beats on this album, there a lot of them are variations of the classic Bo Diddley beat, you know, yeah, that everyone loves. But anyway, let the smokers shine the coops. Another Pharrell produced track, just as sticky and banging as the last. Yeah, the cocaine's Doctor Seuss. <laughs> I love, dude. I, I love the chorus. <laughs> there's so, there's yeah. so many funny lines. I oh, love yeah. the chorus. It's so cheeky, but like still menacing and dangerous. The whole, like, let the smokers shine the coops. Ran bitches that love the boost. I'm here to find the truth. Kilograms is the groove, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, and this this is the song that I was, or one of the songs I was talking about with that. It's not exactly a Bo Diddley beat, but it's kind of a variation on it. And I like how prominent it is and how the rapper follows along exactly with the with the rhythm of the bass. Rhythm. Oh, yeah, no, no. Pusha T's flow is killer. It's so precise. And he knows how to ride beats so well that it just, it feels like one piece. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very well done for sure. Yeah. Absolute banger. But, uh, I suppose we'll go into dreaming of the past. Now I know James, you had some problems with this track. The singing just distracts from the rapping for me. It doesn't work. I want to say it's Kanye with some kind of vocal filter on. Yeah. Yeah. He almost sounds like when Childish Gambino sings. Wait, are you talking about the chorus? Yeah, that's actually Pusha T because I thought it was Kanye too, and then I looked up the production process for that song. It's uh, Pusha T with some vocal processing. Really? Mm. Yeah, I thought it was him too. Like the the singing. It honestly sounds like Childish Gambino a little bit. When it he does. Sings. The the singing by itself is good. Like the performances and everything are great. It's just that the way the singing is, the notes and everything, and how it's sung, it's too prominent to be featured at the same time as the rap. Like if they were separated. Or maybe it was turned down a little bit. Yeah, it, it would have worked fine. But I just, I think one distracts too much from the other. And it was, it was hard for me because I, I often digest music as a whole, like a whole piece. Yeah, I'll hear some like different little things and stuff. I usually just take it all in at once and it's got to work well together. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to sound great to me. Fair enough. I actually think this is like par for the course Kanye production. Yeah, sounds like a lot of the tracks that he did with Jay-Z, like Otis or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like on, on like the Blueprint. Yeah. And I do understand where you're coming from. It is a, a slightly bit too busy, but the raps here, the bars, man, are killer. 
Yeah. Like, that's what I was saying. Like, the performances by themselves are great. It's just one is too distracting. <laughs> I will say I did not like the Kanye verse. No. No. It was, it was kind of, like, tasteless. You know, what was that line? It was, like, born in the manger, son of a stranger. Uh, when daddy's not home, the family's in danger. That didn't sit right with me, especially with the uh, recent Kim Kanye divorce thing and yeah. his, like, targeted harassment campaign. Like Alleged. Alleged. Bro, get therapist. He, he needs to step away for a bit. He I does. Think. He does. I, I really think Kanye needs to get help. Yeah, this this thing has consumed his life to the point where it's it's bleeding into all of his projects. It's that being good. said, <laughs> I mean, it's okay for Kanye, I think, and for anybody to talk about like what's going on in their life oh, and how they course. feel. But of course. It just doesn't feel right given Kanye's actions over mm. the past. I mean, she's year. not completely out of yeah, it's not like she did nothing wrong either. You know, she's as big of a turd as he is, but it's just like let it go. You know, the divorce. get your ass up and work. Yeah. <laughs> like just let it go. Do your own thing. Like the legal team solve it or whatever. And just, then just take a step back, man. Yeah. That's that's all I think Kanye needs to take a step back. He needs to get some treatment because he, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Yeah. He just has this thing where something bad will happen in his life. He's like, Oh man, they're out to get me. I gotta do it's like no, bad things happen, people will turn against you, but not just because people want you to get to a higher place does not mean everyone is out to get you. That whole mentality is a, a farce. That's your mental illness talking to you. And you, you need it needs to stop. And yeah. if you want to get to a better place, it needs to stop. Like if, if any this goes for anyone, if you ever think that, oh man, everyone's out to get me. It's a me versus the world kind of mentality, you are wrong. That's just it. There the world is not out to get you. The world in fact, the world doesn't really care. So the fact that every everyone's out to get me, it's gotta I gotta fight all my life I've been fighting. It's like no. You're just going through a rough time. Just get, get, stop, get some help. As Michael yeah, would just, say. we're not yeah. saying like, oh, fuck Kanye, fuck him, fuck him for having feelings. I'm just saying like, take a step back. I mean, take care, me, take care of yourself, man. I mean, look at Jay Z and Beyonce, very messy cheating scandal. And you know what? They put that in their music, but then they fixed each other and never they fixed they themselves. It out. Yeah, they worked it out. Another fun. It's always going to be in the media when celebrities have a big to do. But you know what? They can handle it in sensical ways. Yeah, I I do really hate. Like, I'm not really like a tabloids kind of guy. You know what I mean? I I, yeah. I try to stay away from that stuff. But I do, you know, follow like a lot of rappers. And when it comes out in their music like this, you can't help. But, you can't help but like, point it out. Yeah, like Lemonade and the whole um, Jay Z. I'm like, you can't help but like know what this stuff's all about because it's in their music. Exactly. And that's why I did want to kind of bring attention to that. Yeah. Because, I mean, Kanye's kind of been on a downward spiral since, like, 2018. Yeah. I remember, God, that's, what was it, like, seven albums in 2018? That's he absurd. Put out, he produced. It was, like, it was Nazir. It was that Tiana Taylor album. Uh, Kids See Ghosts. Yay. Uh, that Pusha T album, actually, Daytona, which was fire, by the way. Yeah. You should check it out. But, I feel like Yay, in, like, since that year, Yay's production has been way better than his actual solo stuff. I know Kids See Ghost was like a double pop. Kids See Ghost, Daytona. Uh, Nazir was all right. Yeah, like but, uh, Cop Shot the Kid. That was a killer song. But I just like that, but way better than his own stuff. Than like yeah, like Donda or Jesus King, Yang. I actually think Donda could have been a good album, but it was way too bloated. Yeah, a lot of those tracks should have just been Donda, left Donda, on Donda. <laughs> Donda. <laughs> the freaking stick. I mean, honestly. <laughs> Thanks, Garrett. <laughs> I'm sorry.
You know, I, I'm going to be real disrespectful right now. What a what a stupid way to dishonor a like the loss of a loved one by just saying her name over and over. Like that's so low brow, so no effort. Like do something. Don't just ch- chant her name over and over. That's my that's my honestly probably one of my hottest takes. Like that's so stupid. You might catch you, some shit. You might catch some heat. <laughs> that's that, fine, but that's fine. Like the and the rest of that, it's like okay, but it's just like oh don't. What are you adding? You're taking away the seriousness of it. You're making things corny. Yeah. Like is this like is this a memento to what she meant to your life, or is this just horsing around? Like like what is it? Like what yeah. is it? Yeah. A lot of it should have been left on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. I think that could have been a genuinely beautiful and like. Yeah, like it should have. Full project. Yeah. Don't even get me started on the down to two shit. But anyway, I think, <laughs> I think we're getting a little too off track here. Uh, neck and wrist. Another Pharrell track. Very solid. Solid. Yeah. I, solid. I Jay-Z like, feature. Sure. It's a really eerie beat. Yeah. It's, it's like, it gets in your head, man. I actually really, really, really like the rhyme scheme on this song. What Pusha T's doing here is he's doing uh, mono rhymes. Every bar on the song has the same rhyme scheme. So it's like... The money counter ding is so exciting. Summertime, Winterfell, I'm the Night King, which Game of Thrones reference, by the way. <laughs> yes, I noticed. You know, the Colgate, the Colgate Kilo, the hood needs whitening, the fish scale brothers, we all like Pisces. <laughs> Your bitch, my bubble, like I'm still typing. She hoping that you let her go like the kite string. It's like the E, the ing, the E sound. The ing, ing, ing. And um, I like his cadence on this track a lot. He raises his poich, his poich. Raises his point. Point. What's a point? He turned into, he turned into a Bostonian <laughs> there for a second. Hey, hey Jimmy, I'm you on the point. Give, give me a beer. <laughs> no, uh, his he raises his pitch on the second half of each line, following the the monorhyme scheme to kind of give emphasis to it. The money counter ding is so exciting. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. I, I really liked his cadence on that track. You know, oh, he's, yeah, yeah. he's very digestible. Yes. You only need to listen to a song like once or twice, and you're like, I know, like, kind of what he's saying. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Whereas, like, I think some, like, I know you love Doom, but he is like the other opposite in the spectrum. You need to listen to songs <laughs> a lot before you can even digest. But Push T is actually, very digestible. I, I think Jay Z is like that too. Disagree a little bit, but really, I honestly, think, I thought Denzel, like, when I heard, it, I was like, well, you know, he's just what are you talking me, about. Are you talking about Doom or Denzel? Both, actually. Oh, that that what's the album called? He just came out. Melt my eyes to your future. Yeah, melt my eyes. I felt it was very like, even when it wasn't fast, it was like a little dense. Whereas Push T is very, very even killed with his delivery. It's very digest, yes. easily digestible. Yeah. Whereas MF Doom, like that mad villainy, definitely at, at I, various points, not easily digestible. I actually disagree. And here's why I think Doom, like Pusha T, they both make rhymes and bars that sound approachable, but there's a lot going on in the background. If that makes sense, like a lot of rhyme schemes, a lot of references, a lot of, uh, you know, nods and and jokes and deeper layered lines here and there. You can enjoy the track on the surface, but if you really pay attention to it, there's a ton going on. It's like an iceberg. Exactly. Now, I do agree that Doom does get a little verbose at times. Yeah, I'm not denying that at all. Point in case born like this. I love that album, but it does get a little too verbose. I, maybe just like memorable lines, like when push. I just listened to the album once, and I had a few, just like the whole no, cocaine right. doctor suit. And there was like a whole like list of lines that I had just after only one listen that I had. Whereas I listened to the Denzel Curry album, and I was like, 
There's maybe like one. Like I was like, oh, I can kind of. There's songs that I like, but I was like, what did he just say? I can, I can understand that. I think Pusha T's taking more of like a like a more like a sticky like almost like mainstream hip hop approach. <laughs> like you know what I mean? He he's trying to make his songs more digestible for the average like yeah mainstream layman. That's not saying you can't enjoy like lyrical rap and lyrical rap can't be approachable. You know, like something like Denzel Curry and Pusha T is super lyrical here. Mm, yeah. He's just taking a greater care to make stuff st- really stick out. Sticky. It's sticky. Sticky. Real like sticky that. up. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's really, it's really, it's really the sign of a great musician, in my opinion. Like, yeah, you can have really, really complicated, incredibly complicated music, but one of my favorite examples. Uh, Neil Peart, drummer for Rush. Neil does a really great job of making time signatures, like blending them in and making them sound easy to listen to. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of those. That's one of my favorite things about Neil as a drummer. Yeah, that's one of the main things that makes him so great. A lot of Rush songs, they're very complex, but they sound so approachable because of how Neil is playing the time signature. It's, no, that's a great point. Uh, I think Doom and Pusha T do the same thing. The way you structure the song and structure the sound and the flow and the rhythm and everything makes it so that it's easy to listen to. Very well said. Jay-Z's verse. How did you guys feel about that? Because I, I actually it. I actually liked it. And I, I like, like it. I like that he played on Pusha T's cadence. He kind of did the same thing, but instead of doing it after the second half of every line, he did it after every other line. <laughs> Jay-Z was also taking fucking pot shots here. <laughs> um I think it complements uh, Pusha T's kind of like antagonistic, you know, mm. you know, beefing style, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Jay-Z has kind of had this weird, like, ongoing beef with actor Faison Love. He's he's trying to publicly discredit Jay-Z without directly referring to Who? him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was about to say, like, uh, <laughs> come on now. And, and talking about Jay-Z here. Jay-Z <laughs> plays on that, that indirect call out in the first line of his verse. And that, that shit just cracked me up. Like even, even I, as a non rap listener, know I know a lot of the big names. Jay Z is hip hop royalty. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. like you don't just come after a dude like that without being able to back it up. Yeah. Take lessons. He MGK. owns MGK already found that out. <laughs> he found out the hard way. You don't punch above your weight. He literally, he, he literally bought himself. <laughs> into one of the most exclusive, like white man, rich white man's only clubs <laughs> oh in, <my> God. <laughs> in. Dude, like you killed Mac. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean oh. the man's career ended. He was because he messed with Eminem. Yeah, nope. you don't. You just don't do that, man. Oh, I gotta change careers. <laughs> you, you gotta. You gotta know where you are. Am I you trying to bully up. someone at work? And then it turns out to be your boss, and he yeah. fires you. And you just have to change jobs. That's MGK. That was yes, MGK exactly, and his entire career change in the last couple of years. Ah, uh, yes, a lesson in humility. Although I don't think uh, he MG- hasn't. He's, he yeah, hasn't I was going. Yeah, I don't think no. MGK got the lesson. He was just like, oh shit, I, I can't be a rapper anymore because my career has been literally ended. So I'm gonna go do this genre now. I'll just go be an asshole somewhere else. Now, which is he worse at? Is he a worse rapper or a worse? He's a competent Pop-punk. rapper. Like he's not bad. He's just not that like interesting or diverse. I've only heard like one of his pop punk songs, so I can't really it say was, much. But the pop punk song I heard was corny as fuck. It was mid. 
I wouldn't even call it yeah, mid, honestly. <laughs> I understand somebody liking his pop punk stuff because it is it is digestible, it's approachable, but it just wasn't it wasn't that good. It was like fuck boy punk. Mm. It's like the best way I can describe it is yeah. like edgy fuck boy punk. Uh, <laughs> man, we got we'll get we'll get into that beef some other time. <laughs> yeah, a lot of beef cooking in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Frying up. Anyway, <laughs> just so you remember, uh, this is a Kanye track. Dude, best track on the album. Killer, completely menacing. It's creeping and aggressive. Pusha T's cadence on here again. I love it. It's like increasingly sneering and aggressive, and he's just getting angry. He's got big angry. Energy. He's like he's yeah. like gritting his oh, yeah. teeth as he's doing these bars. Doing the just so you remember who you're dealing with. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Oh and, man. And see, this is an example of where Kanye did it right. A very simple production. He did have some singing in there, but it wasn't. Yeah, but it was it was it the was, chorus. It was separated. Yeah, exactly. And nothing took away from the rapping. Not at all in this yeah. case. Pusha T was the main, the main focus and the main event on that song. And it worked perfectly. Dude, I got, I, I don't know about you guys, I got goosebumps listening to that the first time. Yeah, me too. I did. I definitely did. Love that vocal sample. Oh, yeah. So I actually looked up the sample. It was Six Day War by Colonel Bagshot. Colonel Bagshot. Mm. I, I honestly Great don't know, I don't know who that is. I don't either. But mm. it was a good it was a good vocal sample. Um, but like, dude, the amount of like wordplay and metaphor and like the rhyme schemes going on with like that menacing delivery. It just oh, dude, this is seriously one of Pusha T's best tracks, period. Yeah. Like even even in his stuff with clips. Nice. That might be a hot take. But yeah. I, I think this is yeah. one of the best Pusha T songs he has ever made. It's really good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It made me think a lot of, and I've told you this before, it made me think of Biggie a lot. Oh, yeah. This whole album did. A lot of this album. Well, yeah. They, this whole they, album. they were kind of in that same lane. Yeah. Though, like, uh, you know, Coke rapper, gangster rapper. Well, it's not only that. It's just the, the attitude yeah. that Pusha T brings oh, forward. Oh, yeah. Basically, a don't fuck with me, bitch kind of attitude. Yeah. And Biggie had definitely had Big, that. Biggie exuded don't fuck with me, bitch. Are <laughs> yeah. you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. That, that was pretty much all of him. So after that monumental beginning run, hell of an opening for this album, uh, yeah. we get into Diet Coke, which... The latter half is not as impressive. Underwhelming. <laughs> That's really all I have to say about this track. Compared to what we got earlier, it, it's kind of running into the same territory of like, oh, you know, Coke bars, Coke rap. Uh, it's a little it's not as nuanced. It's yeah. not as nuanced as the previous tracks. It just kind of feels like a run of the mill, like Coke gangster rapper track. And, you know, Pusha T does bring some energy to it, but <sighs> compared to yeah. the rest. I think what makes Pusha T's raps work is that it's not just. A lot of the darker tracks, it's not like, oh, I, you know, I'll keep a gun on me and, you know, don't mess with me. It's really just like, I'll find you. I'm going to tape up. I'm going to get your wife and kids. If you don't go through on the deal, like, oh, I will, like, dark stuff, not just, oh, yeah. don't mess with me. Just like, oh, here is how I will mess you up. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's menacing. Yeah, it's like, very dark. Like one, one of my favorite things about Pusha T as an artist, and, you know, we, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like, you believe him when he's saying this stuff. The way he delivers it and the way he talks about it. I mean it. It's almost like when you hear his bars, you can see his face. <laughs> Dude, James, you were killing me today. I mean you were, you were, 
you were hitting on all cylinders today <laughs> for my for my funny bones. That that might be. He, he it, was it took you a minute to get the reference, but I thought we were. <laughs> he was talking about "I Mean It" by G Easy. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about uh, G Easy with him, and how I think he's like just so mid and like uncharismatic. I remember hearing that song. Big truth. It wasn't long well, after it came out. It was like 2013, 2014. I don't remember the exact days, but. Oh, it was after that. I think it was like 2015, maybe. Or 20. It may have been 2014. I can't remember. Yeah, it was. I just thought, yeah, this is kind of lame. It's, it's just. This, this is kind of corny. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this dude talking about bullshit, saying, oh, I mean it. <laughs> You're in here and I'm in clear. Like, I, I hate. I hate his his rap style like it's so nasally and and dorky One and i know he's rapper. trying really hard to be like slick and edgy and, and oh I'm, I'm dark and interesting but it just doesn't work it ain't white boy it, day. it's it's even worse on uh me myself and i <laughs> yeah it ain't white boy yeah day. you know like the typical like you know pop rap track where you know you got the you got the female vocals and and then the the dark and menacing and brooding rapper who doesn't give a fuck and uh, is moody and I, oh, I, do. I just can't but in this case you know Pusha T means it he fucking means it when I no, when, actually I, when I listen to Pusha T tracks I believe him and he doesn't have to say I mean it <laughs> to, yeah to, to for you to know <laughs> for you to fucking know that <laughs> that he means it and that's kind of what we were talking about with like authenticity earlier, you know, even if uh Pusha T's exaggerating a little bit. Yeah. It still feels authentic. This isn't know? a guy that that I, is just I wouldn't want to fuck with this guy. Yeah. A lot of times you can just kind of tell just by the way they talk and how they carry themselves. I mean, he'll at least verbally destroy you if nothing else. <laughs> oh, yeah, nothing <laughs> else. Like that story you already done. Huh. This track. Oof. You know, and after that, the perception changed. I mean, Drake, people knew that Drake was a little like corny, he was kind of innocent. But they thought like, oh, he was—he's just a just a guy. But man, after that, people really started to look no, at Drake, Drake like Drake caught some shit for that as like track. a corny little like wimp, his, deadbeat dad. Yeah, like, like his his like view in the public eye like really dropped after that. Yeah, and and honestly, like Drake's music has declined in quality tremendously since then. It hasn't yeah. recovered. No, and a couple years later, he even admitted to losing that beef, like uh, in an interview with, uh, oh, who was it? I can't find it, but he basically said it was his first loss in the competitive sport of rapping. <laughs> I mean, at least he was honest. At least he was honest. <laughs> yeah. At least he admitted. I mean, I guess to kind of explain a little bit, uh, the story of Addy Don was the, the response diss track that we were talking about earlier, where Pusha T basically psychoanalyzes Drake and yeah. and pretty much revealed to the world that Drake had a kid with a porn actress. Damn. That's, it's a rough way to find out. Man. Yeah, no, no, it's a push. T went for the fucking throat on that track. That may honestly be the hardest diss, diss tracks yeah, I've ever seen. No, I thought there was like no Vaseline and, and like the J and like Nas disses and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, considering what I've heard from Pusha T, it doesn't surprise me that he would go straight for the throat. No, he, he's a dude. At all. He's a dude that doesn't like fuck around. He just he just ends shit. And he did. A fun fact about Diet Coke, though. So 88 Keys made this beat in 2004. The Diet Coke beat. He made that in 2004. 
for his beat tape, uh, The Makings of Crack Cocaine. He just had it in the vault. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but Push T was basically like, yeah, you got any beats for me? He's like, oh, I, got, I think I got one. And Easy as that. Yeah, it was something like that. It was a cool fact that this beat has been around longer than this album. When existence. did Daytona come out? 2018. Actually, Daytona came out around the same time that that Pusha T Drake beef was happening, and that man that hyped up the album so much. And that's another reason I like Pusha T is that he doesn't just drop an album every year. You know, he's not like the Call of Duty of the rap world. It's just like every year, and it's just like so well, watered down. They're they're not taking their time to like yeah. sharpen their trade or or really just practice or write things down. They're just like, oh, just gotta crap it out well, there. Like part, people part are gonna that, forget about them. You know. Yeah, part of that is the music industry pressure, though. Yeah, oh yeah, it's especially prevalent in the pop and hip hop world. There is massive pressure to release as much as possible as quickly as possible oh, we want content yeah Shut like up. scorpion by drake was a great example that was literally just bread and butter b-sides that shouldn't have even been included like one good song out of that whole thing that album was trash it's more like we need money that's what it is actually when that came out drake was uh getting accused of releasing all these tracks to get uh more like streaming service money which is weird because streaming service money is like terrible nothing. It's it, nothing. it was a little unfounded no no matter what genre you're playing you make your money from live concerts, live shows. Concerts, merch, yeah. uh, diverse, diversifying what you already have, you know, yeah. getting into like other businesses. The vast majority of your money making is by putting asses in seats. That's how it is. It's facts, man. Moving on, rock and roll. Mid. Kind of lame. This was my least favorite track. It's just, uh, it's the sample. That, can't do it. I was the about sample to say is that. kind of annoying. Can't do, can't do those, that, that, can't do those high pitch vocal filters. Well, I don't like that. Al, Albert. The Albert. The Albert. Albert. <laughs> Albert and the Chimp. You know, Albert. I said when he got older, he goes by Albert. <laughs> the Albert and the Chipmunks type crap, Mr. Lonely. I just, that yeah. triggers my, like, I know it's called misophonia when you don't like mouth sounds, but that thing that you just hear a sound and it just makes your brain want to crawl out of its skull and just beat <laughs> you up. That is, that's what that does to me. So it's just an automatic no for me. <sighs> it could have fire bars. It just, it's canceled out by that. Yeah. So I can't get over it. Uh, and Kanye has played with that before, but it's never been this annoying it's, to me. Yeah. It's, that's another example of bad production. You're putting something in there that, that distracts from the music, from the rapping, from whatever is supposed to be the main feature. Yeah, and it, it's worked before, though. Like On tracks like All Falls Down and uh, Through the Wire, I liked it there. I couldn't get past it. Uh, and not, e- not even to mention like the Kid Cudi chorus. I do not like the way it's processed. So forgettable. It was like loud... And in your face and like gritty. Mm, I did not like it in the slightest. Also, Kanye's verse was fucking trash. It feels tacked on. Like it it honestly isn't even relating to the subject that Pusha T's talking about. It's just like, bro, are you even trying? He's just crooning about Kim Kardashian again. Get some help. Stop it. Get some help. Thanks, McDonald's. <laughs> Speaking of McDonald's, dude, did you know Pusha T wrote the fucking I'm loving it? jingle no way what no, no you did. no he no, didn't you're I'm, bullshitting I, dude i'm Stop. dead serious i am dead serious how many look sources, it up right how now. many sources did you look at multiple you can look this up right now and check i'm them. doing it no we can get he, we can get on those he wrote I'm the i'm loving it jingle and he brought it to public light because he felt he he didn't get paid enough for it i was about to say this dude should have got fucking millions from no, that he shit got, alone. he got pissed off because he didn't get paid for it as much as he wanted so, to because he wrote it when he was still like up and coming i don't know the details but uh he wrote a diss track for, 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 for <laughs> nice what's it called 
it, it was an Arby's promotion. It was for Arby's. Uh, it was a diss track. I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like a minute and a half, and it's it's hilarious. Like Pusha T's beefing with large corporations too. <laughs> yeah, this this is definitely a dude if you wouldn't want to fuck with. He doesn't give a shit about anything, man. Yeah, it says that Justin Timberlake and Pharrell also have like unclaimed credits in various like McDonald's jingles, including that one. Yeah. Dude, it's Justin nuts. says that he was also in the room for that, and that said they, for some reason, they got out of paying all those people. It's now considered it is the longest marketing campaign in existence because yeah, they've been dude. using it since like I was about to say early two thousand. Yeah, early two thousand. It's been almost twenty years. Like, Bro, that's gotta be one of the biggest scams of the lifetime. Imagine having like all those big names in there. They write you literally the most popular jingle of all time, and you just get out of paying them. Yeah, I guess wild. They probably paid him a lump lump sum. That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm guessing. And he's probably pissed off because he didn't get like royalties for it. It was it was like an upfront lump sum. I would be too. Jingle, dude, (laughs) dude. Yeah. If I wrote the largest marketing campaign jingle of all time and did not get royalties for it, I would be pissed. That's that's just crazy to me. (laughs) On so many. Although I can I can believe. Of all the people that have claimed it, I can see the Justin Timberlake the most because Bob, Bob, it's almost got like that old school, yeah, like, like old that sync feel. Yeah. yeah, I can definitely see him having a hand in that. One hundred percent. Moving Jay on. Timbers. Moving on. Call my bluff. <laughs> oh God, this is my. You guys, fate. This is my first or second. I think second after my... Smoker Sean the Coops. But this is my. Oh man, that just that dark dark instrumental that just laid back like it's so laid back he gets real dark here we're dealing dope at the at the ramada i wake you up where you sleep duct tape your wife kids yeah and even the chorus like you know 800 call my bluff like oh mm. wake your ass up where you rest on time like an amazon truck like mm. oh i wasn't I actually wasn't feeling the track at first and then you guys kind of changed my opinion on it when we were talking about it before the recording yeah, his delivery is like a... I didn't like his delivery. It's almost juxtaposed, though. Instead yeah. of like, it feels like one he should have gone hard on, but he's like, he's like I'll just let it speak for itself. Yeah, yeah like exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and when you guys kind of gave me that perspective, I was like, yeah, you know what, you're right. This is, this yeah, is, hard. This is hard as fuck. You, you don't <laughs> need to do anything else. It's just what you're saying goes hard enough. Let my words do yeah. the talking. And now, it's like I was saying, the delivery, the delivery is an attitude, just like, go ahead, I don't care. Whatever. This is how it is. This is how I am. The kind of the dirty, hairy thing. Go ahead. Make my day. Pull up. That's what he's telling everybody. McDonald's? Pull up. Pull up. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest corporation in America? Pull up. <laughs> don't give a fuck. I don't care. Oh, man. Next off, uh, scrape it off. I have some thoughts. Pretty, pretty surprising. Something that Lil Uzi does that I don't completely hate. The course was good. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, it did feel a lot of place. Especially after like trying to listen to Little Uzi, I'm just like, you know what? You gave me something I could tolerate, Bomb. Yeah, I mean, it's overall positive. It's a dub. I think the track is good. I just think it feels really out of place on this album. Yeah, I do understand that. Uh, yeah, you know, we're getting all these hardcore like gangster rap, cocaine bars for like 90 percent of the track list, and then we get this like you know nice auto tune, top 40 esque uh, mainstream hip hop track with you know some good bars from Pusha T and and even Little Uzi Vert. But should have been on a different album. It feels like it should have been on a different album. I like it, but it sticks out like a sore thumb. I know we were making the point earlier, you know, about Diet Coke. Everything started to be a little monotonous. This goes a little too far. out. There's a happy medium here. It's a good track. I'm not saying it isn't. Mm. But yeah, next up, Hear Me Clearly. It's from another album. It's from I Know Nigos of his uh, second studio album. 
And that's why Nego is featured in the credits because I'm pretty sure he produced the beat. Nego is kind of like the same thing that like DJ Khaled was doing. You know, like he's he's a, a DJ, a producer, an arranger. Nego at least did have some hand. I was so I was looking at the project I know Nego and Hear Me Clearly was on this and came out like way before this album. Isn't it weird how they do that? How they they take a song from another album and they put it on this album? They're like like it made sense a long time ago and you couldn't just listen to songs by themselves and they're like, Hey, you can put it on this one. But another weird thing that I've noticed that just came popped into my head and I uh, I've gotta say it now because I probably will forget about it. Have you ever noticed when a song on like the next album or albums in the future is called the same thing as an album in the past and makes reference to that, but it's not on that album. Can you give me an example? It's Houses of the Holy with Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah, so yeah. wild. It's yeah. like, the, it's the called song. Houses of the Holy, but it's not on that album. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah, the, it was supposed to be on that album. Yeah. But in post-production, they realized that they had too much and they didn't want to sacrifice anything. So they were just like, we'll just put it on the next one. It was on physical graffiti. But yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. I don't know. I mean, I like the track. I'm not saying it's yeah. bad. Kanye West did have a hand in the production of it. I guess that's why he is credited here along with Nigo. I yeah. thought it was fine. Kind of forgettable. Where it's just more, you know, oh, don't fuck with me. But it doesn't really like, it doesn't play into that. It doesn't have as much character as tracks as like, just so you remember mm. and call my bluff. But anyway, open air. Man, I really like the open bars. These are very like most deaf where he'd have like an acapella spot in his song and he just kind of like break it down. Yeah. That old man. That's good. That's some good stuff right there. Some good old, old school hip hop. Yeah. yeah. Very heavily old school influenced. Mm -hmm. It even references Biggie's famous 10 Crack Commandments. Yes. Uh, James and I had a discussion about 10 Crack Commandments and how it's one of my favorite Biggie songs. And when I heard him reference that, I was just like, yeah, let's go. What, what what was the line again? He said he was Moses and oh. <laughs> didn't crack him in. Moses. <laughs> Dude, no, that was, that was great. That was great. I, if I were in a, a poetry club, I'd be snapping the whole time. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it, the Ten Crack Commandments, for those that don't know, is basically Biggie's instructions on how to sell crack. Hey, yo. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to Confessing to Felonies over a Beat. Uh, Garrett. I'm going to make a beat. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> Jesus. No, like, I killed my neighbor. I still haven't found him. <laughs> now, like, some of those things, like, didn't that actually happen with, like, Bobby Shmurda? Yeah, like, no, Bobby Shmurda went to jail because of some bars he wrote. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I mean, not everyone can be like Biggie. Come on now. Like, getting away with serious crimes is so hard. Why would you even possibly give yourself up. Well, well it goes back to that authenticity thing. Yeah. Like, to be fair though, Ten Crack Commandments was released posthumously. Exactly. So they couldn't get him for it. <laughs> <laughs> and he never overtly Well like, yeah, he never actually admitted to a crime in there. He and just, that's that's another <laughs> thing I want to talk about with like you know, going back to authenticity earlier. Do you really want people who have committed these kinds of crimes to just openly admit that on tracks? Exactly. Like like <laughs> Like, these motherfuckers could go to jail for that. Like, 6 9 I mean, that guy went to jail for fucking racketeering, like... <laughs> yeah. Because he tried to play too hard into, like, being authentic and, like, gang life and shit like that. Yeah, and, you can't be stupid about it. I don't know. I mean, I don't... That doesn't mean I necessarily, like, condone it. Yeah. Yeah, I would not recommend selling crack. No, we, we are not it's, asking you to... Uh, or or suggesting that you sell crack on the Off The Key podcast. The, the risk is too great. But if you do, just you, know... You've got to be a cocaine Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Got him up like Jim Perdue. You guys are killing me today. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, now, I guess we'll move on to the final track of the album, The Closer, man. I pray for you. Mm. This is my favorite track. Besides Just So You Remember. Another example where, you know, singing can work well. It's if done right. also a clips reunion. Malice, almost he almost killed it harder than Pusha on this, in my opinion. Well, he was probably feeling the energy of actually making some good shit again. <laughs> You're not wrong. Malice, I like him as a rapper, but his, like, no Malice stuff... He's really punching below his weight, man. He's such a competent and excellent rapper, and I honestly kind of hate that he like took the Christian rapper out. I understand why he did it. He even acknowledges that. Like, like it's a good juxtaposition of like Pusha T talking about you know drug dealing and and his everlasting career in the rap game, and you know Malice acknowledges his drug dealing past and his life changing conversion to Christianity, and how he on this track is falling back into those darker subject matters for a moment, but he's he comes back. Yeah, man. hell of a fucking closer, man. Even the Kanye production on this is good. Pretty good. It took me a few listens to let it sink in, but I did enjoy the uh, clips reunion, and it makes me excited to uh, check out their old stuff. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm serious. Like, if you take anything away from this podcast, go listen to Hell Hath No Fury. That is a 2000s classic. Yeah, I still need to listen to that. I enjoy the energy in this song. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the reunion. Yeah, the, they're brothers. Yeah. They're, What's the last time they did? St- yeah, they do look like. They did something on Jesus is King. I know they had a reunion there, but that's been the only time since, I believe. Yeah. I, I'm not going to listen to that album. Yeah. So. We <laughs> okay. Okay. But real talk, though. Some people say, okay, it might be a bad, it might be a bad rap album, but it's the best Christian album of the 2010s. Like, is that? I don't know about that. I mean, like, like Christian music listeners, is that true? Is he out here body and Toby Mac? <laughs> I, I don't know. How's uh, how's We the Kings doing? Are, <laughs> oh my god! Are they? Are they? Uh, have they fell off? I think that kind of plays into like what we were talking about earlier, like, you know, you know, just because something has a religious spin or a religious theme to the track doesn't, mm. doesn't automatically write it off or make it a bad thing. Yes, of course. Not at all. I mean, like how much a dollar cost by Kendrick Lamar. That is literally about his, his metaphorical encounter with God. And that is one of the most powerful rap songs I've ever heard. That's quoted as former president Barack Obama's, one of his top three favorite songs, if not his favorite song. Yeah. Genuinely a powerful, meaningful and beautiful story. Hot takes kind of goes back to my original like dawn to hot take. Like if you really want to like honor someone or worship them, wouldn't you wouldn't you want to make the deepest music you can? Why would you want to make someone chanting, "Oh, you're you're the king for five minutes" or "Don da don da don"? Why you know why would you want to make this just real lowbrow music? Yeah, exactly. If this person is like a centerpiece of your life, why don't you go all out? Prove it. One eight hundred. Call that bluff. Like do it. <laughs> you're right. This is you're- why. This is why I put a whole lot more. Um, value and stuff like Octa. Even they don't. I don't, I don't even know if they're like religious anymore. But like that U two album October and like the Switchfoot albums. I put so much more stock in that because they're telling a story. They're giving you things that you can follow. I mean, there is some songs there like Rejoice, but like they're giving you some like actual stories and content, possibly life changing works mm-hmm. instead yeah. of just saying, "Oh yeah, you my dude," over and over again. <laughs> yeah, like, like we know that. Yeah, God's we, my we guy. know that. You know, God like, is good. Yeah. 
that there's no yeah, there's no there's artistic just, value in that and to me it doesn't really do anything it's like a birthday card if you just got happy birthday 10 times written on it or if you got a poem which would you feel really they really cared about you if they wrote it would be the care. poem yeah it's, exactly. it'd be the it's, poem it would not happy birthday yeah 10 times all over the card it's the poem it's all about effort yeah 100 percent. and i think worship music has no effort that's we're probably gonna piss off a lot of listeners with that, like, but it's true. Like I don't, I honestly don't think a lot of worship music. Take yeah, gospel, and, I, and I've like, heard look a lot. At gospel, dude. Yeah. Gospel. gospel has a lot of artistic merit and a lot of artistic yeah. value, mm-hmm. and that's in the same vein. I love gospel. Like gospel can be really powerful and beautiful. That has a lot of artistic value and a lot of artistic importance. Oh man, that you, in rattle and hum where Bono brought in like the Harlem choir for some of his stuff. Yeah. Oh. Powerful points. It's yeah, yeah. no, I, I didn't realize this this uh, this discussion was going to get so heated. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I was really excited to talk about this album. You know, it's really really consistent and it stays surprisingly fresh given the kind of stale like subgenre that is coke rap or just dope rap in general. It's just dope rap in general. I mean, you can do a lot with that, but there are limitations. You know, mm-hmm. there there's only so much you can do with it. And I think. Yeah. It's put what Pusha T is doing here is he's saying the well's almost dry. The lane that he's in and the stuff that he's rapping about, it has a lot of depth and it has a lot of nuance. I think he's moving out of gangster rap and coke rap. I think that's where this is going. Expanding his horizons. Some of these tracks are the best in his entire career. No exaggeration. Just so you remember, I pray for you. Call my bluff. Killer. Some of the best tracks of his career. I can't help but enjoy it. I mean, I enjoyed a large majority of this album. To say that the whole album is like that, no. I do think there are some underwhelming tracks here, you know, like Diet Coke and Rock and Roll's pretty bad. Hear me clearly. That was okay. I mean, overall, this is a solid piece of gangster rap. Couldn't agree more. And there's a lot you can do with Coke rap in general, but I do really feel like it's getting to the point where it's getting creatively exhausted, and it may be for Pusha T. I mean, there really is only so much you can do with it before it just gets monotonous. Yeah, and, and that's not to say that Pusha T doesn't bring like layers and depth and and personality and well, yeah, of course and, he definitely did with this and wit to this album. He does, and that's why it works so well. That's why Pusha T has been able to stay in this lane for so long and keep it interesting and fresh. And for that, I really appreciate this album. But like you were saying, even with all that, there's only so far you can go. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to break out of that box at some point. Yeah. I'm really curious to see where Pusha T goes from here. Yeah. 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 Would you give them? Are we ready to move on to our yeah, funnel? I'm, I'm ready. I mean, uh, well, I think, yeah, you were, you were giving your final thoughts. I was thoughts basically giving my yeah. final thoughts, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I give it a solid eight and a half out of 10. I thought it was excellent. I think there were some underwhelming portions. The highs on this album. They're really high. They're extremely high marks. James, what about you? I would give it an eight. Yeah, it's solid. And it's it's a solid album. It reminds me a lot of old school gangster rap, like Biggie. And a lot of it's just calls back to that, to the old old school 90s gangster rap. And from what you've told me, Mac, Pusha T was heavily inspired by Biggie, so... It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he even references a Biggie song. In yeah, it, so. several times. He yeah. references Biggie several times yeah. in his album. It makes sense. He he does a great job of, of keeping that vibe. It's a quality, I don't want to say recreation, but it's because it stands on its own. It really does. But it does a good job in the production and the beats, the lyricism. I would definitely recommend it. Well said, man. Well said. Garrett, what are your thoughts? I give this album an 8.5 out of 10. And I think that besides a few fails, 
um, between Kanye and just the track makeup themselves and Diet Coke and rock and roll. I think if it weren't for a few missteps, this album could have could have been a nine ish ten. Almost there's some maybe like a nine and a half. It's so hard to give albums with only one subject matter to me and my honest opinion tens. Like even as much as I love the first Rage Against the Machine album, it's just they're only talking about the same thing, and it's just like mm, like how much rap about the same thing can you take on it? You want some verse, and honestly, to me, a ten. Either has to be just so engrossingly interesting that I'm just like you're a wizard. And yeah, you're just like, like maximum interesting. Or or I have to be emotionally attached to it in some mm. way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. Tens have always been very personal for me. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. like you can argue all day about like the musicality and and the technicality and yeah. artistic. Or even some of my favorite artists don't even have a ten. Ultimately, it's how the piece of music makes you feel. Our ratings, at the end of the day, they're subjective opinions. Take them with a grain of salt. I think we're all in agreement here that you should definitely check this project out if you're a fan of rap. Oh, yeah, for sure. With that being said, any final thoughts, guys? I'm good. Alrighty then. We're off the key podcast. I'm your host, Meg, and we're out of here. here and i wanted to give a shout out to lacrembo for the intro and outro music i'm gonna put his channel link in the youtube version of this video but for those on streaming services it is spelled l-u-k-r-e-m-b-o please go check him out thanks guys